0: like stars. Let us come before God, confessing our sin with the assurance of God's grace and mercy. Holy and merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. Mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for His sake, God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ, and by His authority, I therefore declare to you that in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Amen. Uh...
1: you and also with you living you make all things new transform the poverty of our nature by the riches of your grace and in the renewal of our lives make known your glory through jesus christ our savior and lord
0: i invite you to be seated and children to come forward
2: Okay, come on up, Justin will, yes, you know what, I should get a handheld mic, well, that would be cool. Okay, so good to see you all today, you got out of your driveways, did you miss school this week? Yeah, it's no You had a Valentine's party and you missed it because of the snow oh it's so sad maybe you'll have it anyway this week that's right have a makeup Valentine party you know absolutely so we're gonna hear Jesus today he starts to preach you know like Pastor Pollock gets up there and preaches in the pulpit or Jonathan or Or myself we get up there and we preach and we teach about God and we do all of that are your Sunday school teachers well Jesus is we're gonna hear him give a sermon and it's called in Luke the Sermon on the Plain he comes down to a level spot and then he does these Beatitudes and these blessings and he includes poor people people who are crying and mourning people who other people reject, especially they reject because um, they believe in Jesus. I would like to ask you a question. Look at this picture. So, at school, who might the person be here? Here's everybody together. And then there's somebody that seems to be over here behind this barrier. Who might that person be? Yeah. Sometimes, maybe somebody does something that's not good, yep. Um, and so they get kind of cut off from everybody else. Who else might be over here? Somebody that's sad, yeah? Ooh. Okay. Sometimes, because people have a different position, they get cut off a little bit from the rest of the group. But like, even like out on the playground, are there ever kids that aren't part of the group? That ever happen? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever felt like that? Like there was a group and they didn't talk to you and they, you know, they kind of, you know, turn their back on you? And it happens a lot today. You see, in Jesus' day, people that were poor who were really struggled just to have anything to eat and whatnot, and people that mourned, people that were kind of persecuted, they, everybody over here thought, yeah, these guys, they're not part of what God is doing. But when Jesus preaches, you know what he does? He... He says, no, and he breaks through this barrier, and he takes these people, and he puts them over here. He puts them in the family of God. So he says, blessed are the poor. Um, so this is a cool thing I want to tell you about the church, is that the church includes it just brings everybody, all those divisions that we have as, as human beings, sometimes out on the playground, like the cool kids. Are there cool kids at school? Like some kids that are more cool than others? Yeah, right, right? And you guys are probably those kids because you're really cool. No, yeah, yeah, not really. Not really? Okay, yeah, it's definitely not. Huh? So see, you have an idea of who's cool, who's the in group and who's the out. Well, Jesus takes the person in the out group and he says, you know what? You're in. You're in. And so since Jesus does that, you know, I suppose it makes sense for us to try and do that too. So that's what we're going to talk about today, this really interesting sermon where Jesus wipes out these barriers. I need a different color pen to wipe, that, wipe out that,
3: that red brick
2: wall. And you know what? It's actually interesting. Our church, we're talking about breaking barriers. So that's part of our mission, too. So, yeah, let's break through them so they can be part of us, the stuff that separates us. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so if they do something that isn't good, uh, what do we do? Well, we make a bigger wall.
3: (laughs) A harder wall,
2: yeah, yeah. Oh, that's perfect. I love what you said because, you know, we struggle, don't we? When people do stuff that is wrong, what do we do? Well, we, yeah. But you know what? The neat thing is, is that God, um, as we, as people are sorry for what they do, what are we called to do? We're called to forgive them and help them. That's right. That's right. So that is a challenge. When we do stuff that's bad or other people do stuff that's bad, God came in Christ to wipe away the walls that would separate us from him. Yep.
3: Why not make the walls lighter so that the
2: person could easily kick it down? And well, you could do that too. Yeah. But, right, that's what I was
3: saying. That's,
2: that's, that's the thing. Well, we don't let them just keep being bad to us, huh? That, that's where it gets challenging. It, it does. It It gets hard. We have to think about it because, um, yeah, we have to protect ourselves sometimes too, yeah. Okay, well, you guys are wrestling with this really important issue very well, I'd say. Okay, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you that you call us to include even the people that are left out in your family. And we pray that we can forgive when bad things are done, and that we can help bring other people to that forgiveness as well. And so bless these children in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Great. You, you're welcome. I've got a lot of work to do now after the... <laughs> yeah, me too.
4: The first reading is from Jeremiah thus says the lord cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength whose hearts turn away from the lord they shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes they shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land blessed are those who trust in the lord whose trust is the lord they shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is devious above all else. It is perverse. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, test the mind and search the heart, to give to all according to their ways, According to the fruit of their doings, the word of the Lord. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain and your faith has been in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified of God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. The word of the Lord. according to st. Luke the sixth chapter Jesus came down with the twelve and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea Jerusalem and the coast of Tyre and Sidon they had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured and all in the crowd were trying to touch him For power came out of him and healed all of them. Then he looked up his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man rejoice in that day and leap for joy for surely your reward is great in heaven for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets but woe to you who are rich for you have received your consolation woe to you who are full now for you will be hungry woe to you who are laughing now for you will mourn and weep woe to you when all speak well of you for That is what their ancestors did to the false prophets the gospel of the Lord you,
2: Let us pray Gracious God let the words of my mouth the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight and fruitful for our faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a friend that I know, um, and when we read Scripture together, he is often um, convicted, and he's, uh, he often struggles when we hear in the Bible and certainly in the New Testament, talk about the rich and the poor text he struggles the most with is that one where Jesus tells the rich man to sell everything and give it to the poor and the rich man leaves, you know, and despairing. He struggles with it because as he looks at his life and probably standards of economy from biblical times, he sees himself as rich. And he wonders, well, where am I in this equation? When in Mary's Magnificat, in the Gospel of Luke, it talks about leaving the wealthy no part, he wonders, where am I in this picture? And I love that he struggles with it because he's letting Scripture do what Scripture does, get into our lives and make us ask that question, where are we? It's kind of like I remember in Mr. Geiger's class in sixth grade. And we'd show up and, you know, you get your homework assignment and you're told to read this chapter or that chapter and, and most of the time you did it. But once in a while he would give that great what? Pop quiz. Do you remember? Maybe you didn't have this experience, but do you remember when you didn't read the chapter? <laughs> and you look down at that piece of paper and you have no idea, no idea. It's a rotten feeling. Sometimes when we hear Scripture read and when we read Scripture, and, and maybe for us in what would probably be a middle class or upper middle class um, neighborhood or community, when we hear this talk that Jesus often embarks on about the rich and the poor, it might be a little bit like looking at that test, like my friend does, and he goes, Wow, I'm toast. Well, let's see if we can do good biblical exegesis this morning. You ready to work a little bit here, you know, get the cobwebs off of the whole week of sitting around doing nothing? You know? Because we do need to ask ourselves, when Jesus talks about the poor and when he talks about the rich, How do we translate that into our world and our culture? We talk about, first you look at what the Bible meant in its original context, and then you talk about what it means in our context. This is basic hermeneutics, as we call it, or exegesis, letting the text come out to us versus us reading our stuff into the text. So I spent a ton of time this week doing word studies and reading, you know, historical, cultural stuff of Jesus' day. I've got, a, I've got way too much material that way that I could read, and I just got immersed while I sit was sitting around watching it snow. Reading about what it meant in biblical times, and certainly in Jesus' time, to be poor or to be rich. Because, of course, it's all a matter of what you compare yourself to. When I was in Ethiopia, a pastor was um, looking at moving there to teach, and I was impressed by that. He was going to bring his whole family, four kids and his spouse, and he was going to go and teach at a school there in Ethiopia, in Addis Ababa. And, and so we went, we were looking, he, the person I was with, they, we were kind of, we did a little housing search. Well, the the nicest neighborhood looked like a neighborhood here that would be probably considered a poor neighborhood. So, so, you know, how do we translate this into our time and what does it mean for us? So, so, here's the deal. I did a ton of searching and there's a commentary called the Social Science Commentary. It's from Augsburg Fortress and a couple authors named Rohrbau and Melina, and they talk about poverty and wealth in these terms. Now, I wish they'd have given a few more footnotes where they get all their information, but hey, they're scholars, so we'll take their word for it, right? But it's interesting. This is what they say. Essential to understanding poverty is the no- in Jesus' time is the notion of limited good. In modern economies, we make the assumption that goods are, in principle, in unlimited supply. If a shortage exists, we can produce more. If one person gets more of something, it does not automatically mean someone else gets less. My mom and dad ran a business, a small business. I got to watch it go every day. They provided goods and services and people paid them for those goods and services and they did a really super job and they worked really hard, then they got more money because they provided more goods and services. And that wasn't a sense that in doing that they had stolen something from someone else or they had taken part of the pie that someone else wasn't going to get. But these authors here say, no, that's not the way it was in Jesus' day. All goods, they say, um, in palestine the perception was the opposite all goods existed in finite limited supply and were already distributed this included not only material goods but also honor friendship love power security and status as well literally everything in life because the pie could not grow larger a larger piece for anyone automatically meant a smaller piece for someone else an honorable person An honorable man would thus be interested only in what was rightfully theirs and would have no desire to gain anything more, that is, to take what is another's. Profit-making and the acquisition of wealth were automatically assumed to be the result of extortion or fraud. The notion of an honest rich man was a first-century oxymoron. To be labeled rich was therefore a social and moral statement as much as an economic one. It meant the power or capacity to take from someone weaker what was rightfully not yours. Being rich was synonymous with being greedy. By the same token, being poor was to be unable to defend what was yours. It meant falling below the status at which one was born. It was to be defenseless, without recourse and he goes on and looks at how in Luke oftentimes the poor are linked with the blind the lame the outcast etc they all go together sometimes when Jesus talks and especially in the Gospel of Luke so what do we do with that so in essence what these authors are saying in Jesus's time the rich meant greedy and the poor meant imprisoned knocked down How do we translate that to our lives? Most of us, from biblical standards, are rich. Does that mean we're greedy? Does that mean we've taken what was someone else's? Well, of course, we know we live in a capitalistic or free enterprise, as I was taught at Cal Lutheran in my one economics class I took. Thank goodness I took one. That it doesn't work that way, and I can say I know a lot of people who are quite wealthy who are not greedy. In fact, they give more generously than I can even put my brain around sometimes. You know, for instance, in our our current situation, I mean, does Amazon come into your life and say, you must buy your product from us and take our money from us? Well... (laughs) But no, I can go get in my car and go to the mall and buy something. I don't have to buy from Amazon and give Amazon more and more and more and more and more power. You know, this, you know they're providing a good and service and we're paying for that. So are they stealing something that was someone else's? Well, we know in our situation it's much more complicated than that. And, and don't worry, I'm going to stop in my economic wrestling because I really am not qualified to do this. But... My friend, when he reads the Bible, and he reads rich and poor, and he hears rich, he goes, I'm toast. I'm, you know, I'm left out. I'm like that. Am I? And so this is the question. Well, I don't know if Rohrbach and Melina are correct exactly. I don't know that we know for sure what rich and poor were like in first century Israel, in fact, archaeology is showing us that a lot of the people that Jesus called who lived in Nazareth or Capernaum or around the Sea of Galilee um, actually were probably doing fairly well as fishermen. It was a bustling industry. Um, we see homes in Nazareth that had, ju- we, had they have jewelry. They have um, an, it's a nice house. Um, There's viticulture and there's farming going on, and so there's certainly enough to keep somebody busy and to keep food on their plate. I'm certainly not saying that these were the elite of society. So it's interesting, but maybe what we should do today is just look right at Luke's gospel when it comes to this question. And and maybe you weren't even thinking this when you heard Jesus say, Blessed are the poor, and woe to you who are rich. Maybe that's not even a question. I shouldn't have assumed that right at the beginning. But maybe maybe it is. I found it to seemingly be something people struggle with. Well, if you look at Luke's audience, or the audience in Luke for Jesus' sermon here, it's really fascinating. So far, Jesus has called a Levi, Levi, who is a tax collector, who is wealthy, who is thought to be outcast because he's a sinner because he's a tax collector, not because he's poor. He's been brought into the 12 disciples. You've got Peter, James, and John. They've been called and brought in, these fishermen who, like I say, probably weren't destitute, but certainly not the rich. And then, who else is coming to be Jesus' disciples? Who else is in the audience that hears this sermon? Well, people are coming who are sick. People who are coming who are oppressed by evil spirits. People who are coming, they are desperately in need of help. These are the people that sit in front of Jesus as he preaches. And so, here Jesus says, Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are mourning. Blessed are those um, who are outcast, especially because you came here today and are listening to me. Interesting. And note the difference between Luke and Matthew now in the the way they bring us this sermon. Matthew says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who mourn. But in Luke, Jesus says, blessed are are you who are poor. Blessed are you who are outcasts. Blessed are you who are persecuted. Blessed are you who are mourning today. He looks right at his folks who have come. And so in his audience are people who are poor. In his audience are people who are mourning. In his audience are people who are being outcasts because they're coming to hear Jesus. Maybe, If we let just simply that dynamic tell us who it is to be rich and poor, we could say rich equals those people who don't think they need anything, who think they're fine on their own, who think their own abilities and their own status in life have given them security and confidence. And they don't need Jesus. They don't need a Savior. They don't need someone to heal them. Um, And the poor are those people who know they are in need. Those people who clamor to Jesus for healing, for hope. Maybe that's a way that we could look at it. But in all actuality, going down this road that I'm going gets us really nowhere. And in fact, it misses the point altogether. Because you see, Jesus doesn't say, Blessed are you if you become poor. Blessed are you if you go out and find something to mourn over. Uh, Blessed are you if you go out and somehow get other people to persecute you on behalf of my name. He doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't say if you are mourning, then you will be blessed. No, he says, blessed are you. These are proclamations. These are declarations. In the Greek language, an imperative is often this is what you're supposed to do, but that's not what we have here. What we have here is a declaration of Jesus, blessed are you who are poor. It is good news. What is happening here is that Jesus is taking a group of people who, as far as society's standards, would not be included in who would be blessed, not be included in um, even in the temple. You know, if you were blind or lame, you couldn't even go in. There was so much baggage about that. And so if you were poor, there was somehow God had not looked upon you favorably. If you were rich, God had looked on you favorably. Jesus totally reverses that. He totally flips that around. And he takes people who from society's standpoint would be outside the barrier. And he brings them in and he says, blessed are you who are poor. So entrance into his kingdom. The kingdom that Jesus brings seems to be all about how broken we are and how open to recognizing our need and our brokenness is. Are you seeking healing today? Are you trying to touch Jesus because you know when you touch him, power goes out to heal and forgive and bring grace? Blessed are you. We, of course, know that what Jesus has given us in in the ministry of the church is a mission to bring those who are outside in, to remove those barriers, to get beyond those barriers, This morning we're gonna have a baptism. What happens in baptism is that Jesus says, I'm taking you into myself, I'm taking you into my family. And guess what, you don't have to give any credentials. You know, this is your lineage, this is your heritage, this is how many good things you've done, this is how many bad, you don't. there's no report card. You know, there's no pop quiz here. Jesus takes us in and says, blessed are you. And that's what happens in baptism and we know that Baptism connects us to Jesus' death and resurrection. That's how he has removed those barriers and brought us his forgiveness. There's at least three women in our congregation that I know of who I've sat and listened to as they've shared tears. Who's have, who have a child who won't forgive them for something they've done. I'm thinking of a couple of them um, who are older and now living by themselves and still, and, and their child, just adult child, now won't let go and won't forgive them for something. And so there's just no relationship there. And it just hurts. Talk about mourning. Talk about mourning. When I think about that, I think about so many other experiences people have in this life that... Um, Take away the quality of their life, that, that um, leave them feeling lonely, outcast, outside, not apart. Um, and I think about these women, and I think about how important relationships here are. And how, but even with that, there's still that longing, that hope, and that mourning for reconciliation. Jesus would look out at those women and look out at all of us with all of our experiences that leave us feeling broken, left out, and he would say, blessed are you who mourn. You will, you will be comforted. Jesus says blessed, and he brings us in that word blessed into himself. I I have another friend, he's kind of a big guy, and man, I just love it when he gives me a hug, because it's just like, whoa. There's no uh, escaping it. <laughs> now that's, that's blessed are you. That's what happens when Jesus looks out at us and says, blessed are you. He just takes us in to himself and says, I know you are mourning. I know there's all kinds of things in your life that make you feel left out, make you feel lonely, that hurt your, the quality of life, and you mourn. But Jesus says, blessed are you, and he takes us in. He takes us in. That's what baptism is. That's what the church is. One final deal about this hug, this blessedness, is that the word in Greek is makarios. We've talked about this a little bit before, but just remember this, that in Greek culture, Plato taught that the righteous, those who lived a just life in this world, got a reward, and they got to go to a special island. And that island was beautiful and filled with joy. And, you know, it was just this awesome place. If you lived a just life, Plato taught, you got to go to the island. And you know what that island was called? Makarios, blessed. You see what the gospel writers are doing, Matthew and Luke, when they bring us Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, they're saying, you know how you get to that island of blessedness? And giftedness and love and healing is not by your works, but by Jesus' proclamation and his words. Oh, may these words today not be like a pop quiz anymore. May they be an embrace and a hug. And since this is what Jesus is about, shouldn't this be what we're about? breaking through those barriers, including those who everyone else doesn't include, for whatever reason, because of the gospel. Reaching out, bringing them in. That's what we're about. Thanks be to God that that's what's happened for us. Let us go and do likewise. Amen.
0: of us. So we rejoice with Matthew today, because in baptism, our gracious Heavenly Father frees us all from sin and death by joining us to the death and resurrection of Jesus. We are all born children of a fallen humanity, but by water and the Holy Spirit, we are reborn children of God and made members of the Church, which is all the body of Christ. Living with Christ and the communion of saints, we grow in faith, love, and obedience to the will of God. Go ahead, you too. Her sponsors, yeah. Yes. Ed and Patricia, called by the Holy Spirit and trusting in the grace and love of God, do you desire to have Matthew baptized into Christ? as you bring him to receive this gift of baptism you are entrusted with responsibilities to live with him among god's faithful people bring him to the word of god and the holy supper teach him the lord's prayer the creed and the ten commandments all those things we talked about you get to learn give him a bible nurture him in faith and prayer so that he grows up and learns to trust god and know god as his father and teach others about jesus to care for the others in the world god made and to work for justice and peace. Do you promise to help Matthew grow in Christian faith and life? That's okay. Sponsors, in Christian love, you've presented Matthew for baptism. Do you promise to care for him every way as God gives you opportunity so that he would bear witness to this faith we profess and living in the covenant with his baptism and in communion with the church, he would lead a godly life to the day of Jesus Christ. People of God, Do you promise to support Matthew and pray for him in his new life in Christ? Matthew, do you want to get baptized? Yes. Yes, all right. I ask you to reject sin, profess your faith in Christ, and confess the faith of the church. Do you renounce the devil and all the forces that defy God, the powers of this world that rebel against God, and the ways of sin that draw you from God? With the whole church, let us confess our faith. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, and died in the Spirit. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life. Alan Thurman, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. Matthew, you belong to Christ, in whom you have been baptized. You can keep that. Yep, You can keep that. Now let us pray. You can all lay a hand. We give you thanks, O God, that through water and the Holy Spirit you give your daughters and sons new birth, wash them from sin, and raise them to eternal life. Sustain Matthew with the gift of your Holy Spirit, the gift of spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and the fear of the Lord, the spirit of joy in your presence both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Now we put the cross on your forehead. Remember we talked about that? Matthew, it won't be cold. (laughs) Child of God, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. It's on there forever, yes. It can never come off. Yep.
4: Now you get another
0: present. Remember the candle I told you about?
1: Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven.
0: He gets to keep that, so hold it steady. Through (laughs) baptism, you have been received into this family, Matthew, entrusted with the good news of Jesus and strengthened to serve by the Holy Spirit. Let us, you're gonna keep it forever, yep. Let us welcome Matthew together. We We welcome welcome you into the
1: body of Christ and the mission we share. Join us as we give praise to God and, and bear God's creative and redeeming word to all the world.
0: And let's say, Jesus loves you, Matthew, and so do we. Jesus, Jesus loves, loves you, Matthew, Matthew,
1: and so do we.
0: And let's give him a hand. <laughs> Together
1: now in our prayers. God of light, you open your kingdom and your love to all people. Help us to see all those we meet in this world as our brothers and sisters. Lord, in your mercy, yeah. Almighty God, on this President's Weekend. We thank you for the many wise and just leaders you have raised up in our country. We pray for President Trump, our Congress, and state and local leaders. Help them to share their power and to work together for the common good. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Gracious Lord, we lift the leaders of this church up to you, our pastors, intern, council, and small group leaders. We pray that you would continue to raise up new leaders for your church. Help us to identify those gifts to serve. Give all of us the desire to love you and our neighbors with our whole hearts. Lord, in your mercy.
0: Gracious yeah. God, we celebrate with Matthew and his family today, and as he continues throughout his life to unwrap this gift of his baptism, shower him with your spirit. Lord, in your mercy. God, we bring before you many who are grieving the loss of loved ones. We pray for Dan Inger and family on the death of his dad, Gary, for the Hartman family of Iowa, friends of the Biddles, for Ingrid Henneke and family on the death of her great nephew. We pray for Jim McKelvey and for Robbie Huff on the death of her husband, Chuck. Give them all your peace that passes all understanding. Lord, in your mercy. God, we pray for Debbie Marsh, Roger Egan, Patty, Randall, Karen Chafin, and Ann Cummings as they all recover from surgeries. Be with Fran Mayert. Be with Mike in his last days. We pray for those we know who are battling cancer Dave, Gail, Jim, Ron, Kathy, and Carol. And we ask for your blessing and protection for our military and your presence with their families here at home. Be with Eric, Megan, Jared, Andrew, and David. Lord, in your mercy. And now, God, we bring other names before you out loud or silently. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, God, we trust all for whom we pray, knowing that you hear us through your dear Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And now may the peace of our Lord be with you all. Greet one another with God's peace. Trip to Hopium. So if you're able to help or participate in any of those, you could also sign up out there. And then I did want to um, give you the dates for a couple of memorial services. Edie McKelvey's will be March 2nd at 1 o'clock. And her graveside is tomorrow at 11 a.m. at the Sunset Lane Cemetery in Port Orchard. So I know Jim wanted to invite people to that. We're glad to see you today, Jim. And then Chuck Huff's service will be March 3rd at three o'clock. And we'll have that printed um, in our beacon next week, but I wanted to let you know that. So we are going to have Marietta make a quick announcement and then. Morning. Morning. I want to invite you Morning. today um, to sign up for a small group. We have uh, lots of small groups available. We have one we've had for many years. Ooh, thank you. And um, we have about 11 or 12 new small groups. So if you're interested in deepening your faith and connecting with other people to talk about faith, there's a group for that. Um, If you're interested in singing or playing the ukulele or playing the handbells, there's a group for that. Um, There's groups for people who love their pets and love Jesus. There's, I know, right? Cool, huh? Oh, I was gonna have our leaders stand up. If there's any small group leaders here today, could you stand up for me? Thank you, yep. There's a a new group for young adults. Um, There are, oh gosh, I can't even think of them. There's so many. So um, please uh, see me or the small group leaders in the Narthex after the services to sign up, or you can also sign up online. You know, miss the crowd and sign up online. Thank you.
2: And before Marietta goes too far, We're also very excited to um, have her installation. As most of you know,
0: Apostle Paul writes, people have different gifts, but it is the same Spirit who gives them. There are different ways of serving God, but it is the same Lord who is served. God works through different people in different ways, but it is the same God who achieves God's purpose through them all. It is the task of the intern, under the guidance of our pastors, to be fully involved in the life and work of ministry in this congregation, so that you may obtain experience in the practice of pastoral ministry. You are a learning colleague in this ministry.
3: I ask you, Marietta, are you willing to assume your partnership and ministry here? And will you seek under God's guidance to fulfill that ministry in God's glory?
0: I am ready. May God help and guide me.
2: It is your opportunity. Years of service. Now I ask you, oh, sorry, that's you, Dave.
3: <laughs> now I ask you, will you receive this servant of God as a labor in the gospel of Christ and uphold and support Maria and Mary in every way? If so, answer yes, with God's help.
2: God, by whose call we are at work, bless and empower us in our ministry together.
0: Almighty God, we ask you to bless this congregation and to offer your continual help to those who labor in it in your steadfast love and service. Grant us your spirit, power and wisdom, steadfastness of faith and hope for all good things, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
2: Amen. Now we can do another applause. Yay! And you may be seated.
0: We'll continue worship with our.
1: Creation, all you have made is good, and your love endures forever. You bring forth bread from the earth and fruit from the vine. Nourish us with these gifts that we might be your life and life through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.
0: The Lord be with you. you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. God. It is right, our duty and a joy, that all the time and everywhere we would give thanks and praise to you, God, through our Savior, Jesus. By the leading of a star, he was shown forth to all nations. In the waters of the Jordan, you baptized and proclaimed him, your beloved son. And in the miracle of water turned to wine, he revealed your glory. So we join now with the choirs of angels, with your church throughout this earth, and with the hosts of heaven who have gone before us to praise your name and sing their unending hymn. Our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of your sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name.
1: of abundance with this bread of life and cup of salvation you have united us with christ making us one with all your people now send us forth in the power of your spirit that we may proclaim your redeeming love to the world and continue forever in the risen life of jesus christ our lord amen
0: light and peace are yours through jesus christ Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And may Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless you now and forever. Amen. Amen.
1: grace filled and the spirit. Go in peace and serve the Lord.